such an awesome time we're living in. I'm already excited about 2019, what the Lord is going to do in this year. 2000, the last couple of years have been good years, but they've been, not been without their challenges. And <clears throat> see, the thing about a challenge is that if you don't have one, you can never exercise your faith. Challenges cause you to grow. That's why the Bible says that when you enter into diverse temptations, or actually the Greek word for that is trials, is that it increases to count it all joy because what it does, it increases your faith in the Lord. It causes you to act in faith with Him so that you can begin moving forward in your destiny in Jesus' name. And I'm excited about our destiny here in Florida, in your life, my life, and at Kingdom Gate. And we just decree that the Lord's favor is upon you. How many of you got your hand out? How many of you don't have it? This will be number two on the new wineskin for me. Chuck prophesied about this new wineskin for me. Others have been prophesying it. This year, 5779, the Hebraic year, is the year of the new wine and the new wineskin. As we move into 2019, uh, everybody else will catch up with what the Lord's been saying for three months. And, uh, and the, but that's okay. The Lord is changing wineskins. He's shifting wineskins. And what's very challenging for you and I is that most of us do not like change. We don't like change. We resist change. We go against change. The thing is, without change, you can, again, you could not grow in the Lord if you didn't have change in your life. Look at somebody and say, today is the day to change. Now, <clears throat> subtitle of this message is, Will You Make the Cut? Because changing requires you to change. So will you really change in this new era that we're moving into? Now, back in August, I received a gift, and some of you have heard about this, and I think I've shared it here once, but I received a gift of a handmade skinny knife. And uh, this is not a $100 knife. This is a very expensive knife. Some of you would be appalled at paying $100 for a knife. But if you go, when you go to get new, a real good knife, you have to pay over 100 bucks to get a real good knife. And so this one right here runs around $500. And it's handmade uh, by this bladesmith. And I'm going to read you the the testimony of the lady that gave one to Dutch and I, both of us. She said, <clears throat> prophet at dream she had, September 6th of this year. In the dream, Doug and I and Apostles Dutch Sheets and Ken Malone. In the dream, we presented each of them a handmade skinny knife. The next morning, I told Doug about the dream and began looking for these knives. I had no luck. But I began to ask the Lord, why were the, these knives specifically skinny knives? And I heard the Lord say, these apostles need skinny knives to complete the removal of the old wineskin and to remove it cleanly. As I heard this, I knew in the spirit that the Lord meant by using the term cleanly was describing the cutting away of the old wineskin in a manner of character and integrity. 
I love that. This would be strategic also in preparing the new wineskin in the new era. The next day, I received a friend request on Facebook from a bladesmith who lived in Texarkana, Texas, where we would be attending a conference. Both apostles would be speaking at this conference that weekend. The bladesmith had two beautiful skinny knives available. He usually never had these in his possession, as he usually forges custom knives individually. I told him about my dream when he realized who the knives were for, and what I heard the Lord say, he was very generous, and we purchased the knives, attended the conference, and gave it to him on August the 14th. And I value, I probably will never skin a deer with this. I may want to skin somebody's hide, but because it's very valuable to me. And it is so real, that knife is so real to me right now in where the Lord is trying to take us here in the state of Florida and in Kingdom Gate. I want to read you Chuck's word <clears throat> that he prophesied part of <clears throat> on October the 18th, 2018. <clears throat> so he says, see, we've been in our place for seven years talking about glory of Zion. At the end of seven years, the wineskin shifts. I know I told all, all our people that, and they looked at me like I was crazy. We're wild anyway, but it still shifts. It takes seven years to remake a wineskin. You can do it in one of two ways. You can start with something new, or you can soak it in water. You can oil it, and then after seven years, it's ready to be used. And I think that's what I see going on through Florida. <clears throat> New wineskins <coughs> are beginning to be identified. Now, I love this here because not only is it happened for us individually, it's happening on a state level, it's happening on a na national level, that new wineskins are beginning to shift, are, are beginning to come into play. We are stripping the old wineskins back so that the new wineskin can begin to come forward. The, the thing about whenever change takes place and a new wineskin begins to form, everybody doesn't make the cut. I wish they did. I'd love for everybody to make the cut, but they don't always make the cut. Because it's what Jesus said, that many like the old better than the new. And so there's a tendency for us to stay with the old. It's just like when Trump was, when Trump was elected, there were several of our high-profile Hollywood people said, I'm moving to another country. I wanted to take up an offering for them to help them get there. <laughs> but I didn't, and they decided not to move. The thing was is that people like that could not make the shift. And I understand that because there's been times I've not wanted to shift as well. Florida right now is going through a wineskin shift. We have a brand new governor, which means that beginning in 2019, we'll have a new wineskin and a new wine being poured out through a governor in Florida. He will do everything different from our former governor, who I thought did a good job. He brought 1.6 million brand new jobs into Florida in seven years. 
It's a lot of jobs. He ran on bringing 700,000 in in seven years, but he just didn't do it. He brought 1.6 million. We have a new senator who is currently our governor. He will move into D.C. sometime after the first of the year. A brand new wineskin in the Senate. So as a new wineskin and a new, two new wineskins in Florida that we're seeing beginning to take place. But there's also, after Hurricane Michael, a restructuring that's going on in Panama City, Bay County, up in that panhandle region. There's totally new wineskins that are being formed in that region and territory, so much so that the people who live there, immediately when the hurricane took place, they had to begin thinking differently. Immediately. They couldn't just sit around and say, or unless they wanted to die, and say, woe is me. They immediately had to get up and to respond to the devastation in a positive way if they're going to move forward. And see, this is where we blow it many times is that when the winds of reformation come into our life, and you're going to have challenges from now on. You're going to have challenges from here until Jesus comes or until you go and visit him or live with him, that better word. But when those challenges come, you have to respond in faith because it's creating a new wineskin in your life when those challenges come. So here's one of the things, <clears throat> I'm just throwing this in for free, it's not even my message. <clears throat> here's one of the things that you do when you come across adverse circumstances. If you want to respond in a positive way, you begin taking this word right here and you begin saying this word out loud. My God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I am the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. He opens the good treasure of his heaven and pours that out upon me. Everything that I set my hand to do is blessed. Steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way though he falls. He shall not be cast down for the Lord upholds him with his hand. He has shown you, O oh man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Amen. And you just keep on going because what happens is when you do that, you begin, instead of responding in the negative to the circumstances, negative circumstances that have come, you start responding in faith. And this word right here, see, you, now you got to get this. Your emotions are not going to change the situation. Can I have a witness on that? Your emotions, your uh, trauma attitude is not going to change the situation. It's when you begin responding in faith to his word that then the situation begins to shift. Say, we're shifting things. Look at somebody and say, shift happens. When we were in Tallahassee back in October praying, we were there praying for five days before the election, and we decided one day to take a ride over into the hurricane area. They would not let us go to Mexico Beach because you had to be a resident there, on property there, to get into Mexico Beach. So they had roadblocks, and they were checking everybody. But we were able to go to 
a church that I'm, a, I'm affiliated with. They look at me as their apostle. And they, this lady, who is now the pastor, had two whammies, two adverse circumstances, all in the same within two days. One was the hurricane hit them, tore their church up. They were not able to meet in it for quite some time. But the worst thing that happened was that the day before the hurricane got there, her husband of many years passed away. He had cancer. Good, good man. We've known him for years. Preached up in their church many times. As a matter of fact, she's going to do a memorial service here sometime this coming year, and I'm going to go up and and help them because they were not able to do a memorial service for her husband because there was no place to meet. There was no electricity. He was still at the funeral home three weeks after the hurricane. And so finally they had one service at the graveside and they buried him there at the graveside. That was their service. But they're going to do a celebration of life service sometime after the first year and I'm going to go up there and help them. But we went by to see them. And the first thing that happened was is that they, when we got on the property, they were feeding people. Now, you would think this lady and all her trauma would be at home crying and whining because not only has she lost, I mean, her church is torn up. She didn't lose the whole thing, but it's torn up. They can't meet in it. It's leaking all on the inside. Not only that, she's lost her husband. And then when she sees me, she comes running out. She's weeping and crying throws her arms around me, I start crying, throws her arms around me, and she said, I knew you would come. I knew you would come. And we started looking at her attitude, that her attitude was not an attitude of woe is me. Her attitude was that of gratitude. They were cooking hamburgers and hot dogs. They had a moon, one of those bouncy houses for kids. You know, out there, it's kind of a fall type thing. You know, and kids were getting their faces painted and stuff like this. And they were giving away clothes. They were giving away mattresses for people who lost their bedding. And uh, sheets and bedspreads and all of that stuff. But she shouldn't have been doing that. She should have been whining and crying and complaining over her situation. But like David... She encouraged herself in the Lord. And she called me the other day. She said, we've just had our first meeting back in the building again. We're back in there now. She didn't even have anybody to, put, to, to secure the roof to where it would not rain on the inside. So before I left, I got on the phone, because I know a lot of people in Florida. I got on the phone, and I got people there to put, to put tarps over their roof within the next two days. Wine skins are changing and shifting. We have to shift with them. There's also this shifting of the wine skin called a coastal awakening that God is focusing on right now. The coastal awakening is going to be the new wine. Matter of fact, our conference coming up in April, we're going to call it coastal awakening. But it's going to be, we're going to have to have a new wine skin, especially here in our house, a new wine skin that will think on a level of, I'm now responsible for this coast over here, from Jacksonville down to Key West, 
and for this coast over here, from Pensacola all the way to Key West. That's our responsibility. And it's going to take a new wineskin because a wineskin is a mineskin. It's going to take a new way of thinking. Our house is shifting, and I'll talk about more about that. The ministry also is going through wineskin shifts. Churches and ministry go through these things. They go through wineskin shifts. Some make the cut, some don't. You might ask yourself, how can I make the shift? I'm glad you asked. The answer is update or vacate. That was a word that Jane Hammond gave us. That you update with what the Lord is doing or you vacate what he's doing. Now, when, when Cheryl and I got filled with the Holy Ghost back in 1976, we were updating while a lot of people around us were vacating from us. <laughs> they didn't want to be around us anymore because we had stepped into a new wineskin, new way of thinking, and new wine, receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We had death threats. We had death letters sent to us. We had people send letters to us to tell us to leave this county, those things like that. The thing was that she and I were never traumatized by that. Uh, we just weren't. We were never traumatized by it. I'm going to camp right here a little bit. You need to quit babying your trauma. You need to stop babying your hardships. Stop babying your sacrifices. And begin moving forward in faith. We've got a lot of believers, too many of them are babying the enemy. They baby their sickness. They baby their disease. I'm not saying you shouldn't take care of it, but you treat it like it's yours. Like you own it. See, if you own your sickness and disease, it'll take you out. You have to vacate sickness and disease and update to healing and restoration. You update or vacate. You and I, we both are going through wineskin shifts right now. And the way a wineskin shift begins is that God begins upsetting your present. That's a good word right there. Otherwise, we would just hang out and enjoy the old. Boy, this is good old wine, isn't it? Yes, doing the same thing it did 30 years ago. I, had, I was back where... You're where our house is. I, as you know, breakfast is my favorite meal. And uh, I'd gone to breakfast one day there in Davenport, and this lady, she's waiting on me. I can only remember her name now, Cheryl. But she went to the Church of God there. No, it wasn't Esther. She worked at Cracker Barrel. This was in the old restaurant in Davenport. And uh, she says, Brother Ken, you need to come to our meeting. We've been going 18 weeks now. In revival. I said, really? She said, yeah. I said, tell me this. How many people have been saved in those 18 weeks? And she thought a minute. She said, I don't think anybody's been saved. And I just said to her real politely, I said, can you really call that revival? When nobody has been saved. When you look at the standard that the book of Acts set. They had thousands come to Jesus at one time. 
Now, there are times of refreshing that come to us, and that's what they were going through. And they needed it too. So do all of us. We need times of refreshing. The Lord was doing something to me a while ago in the midst of worship. And I, I'm, I'm just pondering to think what this is. Three times I felt a breeze of Holy Spirit blow in my back. Three times. I turned around to Cheryl. I said, are you breathing on me or something? <laughs> she said, no. I said, well, three times I've had this. And it wasn't, I mean, it was a wind. A refreshing wind. I think it was symbolic of where we were during worship. So there are times of refreshing, but real revival, we got to bring the bar back up to where it should be. Real revival looks like the book of Acts. That's what it looks like. Anything else is a lesser standard. And that's the standard the Lord set in the scriptures. And that's what I'm contending and going for is that kind of revival. The Lord will begin by upsetting your present in order so that you and him can birth his future in your life. This is good. So next time your present begins to, present situation starts getting upset, ask the Lord, is there some place that I'm needing to change? Are you trying to change me? In the, and I'm not talking about sickness and disease. That's of the devil. But the Lord will upset your presence to try to get you to shift in something brand new. He will challenge you. He will bring challenges into your life. You'll think, I don't like this. I don't want to go through this. Hold on because you're going to keep going through it until you decide, hey, I'm going to pass this test. I want to say that again. You, you keep taking the same test over and over until finally you get an attitude of passing that test. If you keep failing it. You know, I, I was uh, telling Bain and Patty and the other day, Bain is a school teacher, and my eighth grade math, math teacher taught my dad. She's gone on to be with the Lord now. Her name was Mrs. Bowler. And uh, I'll never forget sitting in class one day in the eighth grade, and I'm looking out the window. <clears throat> and she's up there teaching and she said, Mr. Malone, turn around. Look at me. I didn't want to do that. I want to look out here because I didn't like what she was saying. How many of you liked going to school when you were a kid? Kiss the day, love it. I did. I never loved it. And I, <laughs> a few of you did. <clears throat> she said, your dad sat right there and did the same thing that you're doing right now. He would stand, sit there and look out that window just like, you're just like him. Now, you turn around. Now, I didn't want to turn around. But Miss Bowler trying to shift my wineskin. And she had a paddle that would help you shift <laughs> wineskins. Well, can you make the cut? In order to make the shift... You have to realize that where you are currently is limited. It has limits, destiny limits, sphere limits, limits of anointing, gift, prosperity, limits of time. I know there's sometimes that people stay in a current situation way too long and they don't get out of it. I want you, we're going to look at a story on this, 2 Kings. Chapter 6. 
Elisha has come on the scene here. Powerful man of God. He was raised up by his spiritual father, Elijah. Now he's become a spiritual father to a group of people called the sons of the prophets. It begins saying in verse 1, I'm reading now the New American Standard. We have that Bible up on the screen? Okay. It says, Now the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, Behold, now the place before you where we are living is too limited for us. Now I love this New American Standard version of this. Because it's showing here these prophets are realizing that where they currently are has become too confined. They are bordered in. And they are called to have borders that are expanded. He goes on to say, he says, please, please let us go to the Jordan. And each of us take from there a beam and let us make a place there for ourselves where we may live. So he said, go. Then one said, please be willing to go with your servants. And he said, I shall go. So he went with them, and when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees, but as one was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water. And he cried out and said, Alas, my master, for it was borrowed. Then the man of God says, Where did it fall? And when he showed him the place, he cut off a stick and threw it in there and made the iron float. I love this story. And he said, Take it up for yourself. So he put out his hand, and he took it. Listen, that word limited is the word sar in the Hebrew, and it means narrow, a tight place. It's like a pebble in your shoe. It's figurative trouble. It's figurative of an opponent, distress, or adversary. There comes a time whenever the Lord's trying to get you to shift that the place where you are now becomes your adversary. Let me say that again. When the Lord's trying to get you to shift, it's possible that the place... Your present condition becomes your adversary. Sometimes even the Lord brought you to that place. I never will forget Cheryl and I built our first house at the age of 25. We moved into the first home that we built in 1979. We moved into this home. We had two kids at the time. Two more were on the way in 1980. They were just a twinkle in my eye at that moment. But uh, they were coming. And uh, we built this new home. And then God began tugging on me to go full-time in the ministry. And Cheryl resisted me. And I used all kind of things like, you don't have enough faith, you know, you don't know what you're doing, and, and uh, we just need to step out and believe God, and all those religious cliches that we like to use. I didn't, you know, it, the, the contention became so strong between us that I had to stop mentioning it. But the wineskin was going to shift, just not in my time. So long about 1984, I think it was maybe 83, somewhere along there, the Lord starts speaking to me again about going into ministry. And so I was reluctant to tell her because we had gone two years through peace. I didn't want to go to the two previous years where we had no peace. No, none of your marriages are like this. They all float on the clouds of heaven. <clears throat> and <clears throat> so I, I kept praying. I kept praying. I kept praying. God gave me Jeremiah 1.10. He said, I have ordained you a prophet unto the nations. You're to go and tear down, throw down, overthrow, build, and plant. And so I brought this to Cheryl. 
finally, after several weeks of praying, I didn't demand anything from her. But I went to work one night at the paper mill, and I came back home. The wineskin's going to shift. I was working midnight shift, and I come back home to a wife who's weeping because she's had a visitation from the Lord. What did the card say? It went something like this. It was, it was, we don't even know where the card came from. It was in her uh, dresser drawer right on the top. And it says something similar to, your husband wants to go in the ministry again. Why don't you follow him this time? Had no signatures on it. We don't know where it came from. We don't know who put it there. I just believe an angel put it there. And she looks at me. Was it a devotional book? She looks at me, and she's, when she's crying, she says, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to do this. See, the wineskin shifted but I had to wait on the shift, and it wasn't because she didn't have faith. It was all about timing. And sometimes many of you, you get impatient, and, and part of that is to keep you pressing in in faith. But there's also a timing that you have to follow in order to see God's plan fulfilled. So here she is. She's grabbing me by the hand. She's saying, let's go. And I'm thinking, is this the same girl? Is this the same one from two years ago? I'm thinking to myself, what's going on? She said, and this was the big thing. The big thing was, I'm not leaving my house. She custom built it. She put everything in there that she wanted. I did get to put a deer head on the wall. <laughs> and all of a sudden she says, I don't care about this house anymore. We did. We leased it out for several years, and then we finally sold it. You know, and, and, oh, well, let's move on. I might get in trouble. But sometimes the place where you currently are can become your opponent. In that case, for me, where we were living had become my opponent. But I did not understand timing at the time. In order to shift, listen to this. You have to be a forward thinker in order to shift in a new wineskin. You can't think in a rearview mirror. You have to be a forward thinker. You have to have to look out into the future. I used to fly airplanes. When you fly airplanes, anybody here ever piloted a plane? Uh, Alan, he knows that you have to think ahead of the airplane. You have to Determine what's going on out ahead of the airplane. You cannot allow yourself to get behind the airplane or you'll get in trouble. And as you upgrade in your rating in different airplanes, the airplanes become faster. They have more equipment. And then all of a sudden you have to even think beyond what you were thinking in this little Cessna 150. Now you're flying in a Comanche and you're having to think way beyond what the 150 was. See, in changing wineskins, you have to be a forward thinker. You can't look in your rearview mirror at what's behind you. You have to look forward. It's a good word right there. <clears throat> Listen to this. Remember that everyone was to take a beam in this scripture? Everyone is called to serve. If you're telling me you're called in the ministry and you won't clean the bathrooms at the church, you can just forget it. 
You've got to learn how to serve. And in serving, that helps you shift wineskins. Because all of a sudden, you're serving out of your gratitude to the Lord. There's been several times, and people said, I didn't know preachers did that. There's been several, don't just, uh, no, I don't want to do that. There's been several times that I have stepped in and served, and people would say, pastors don't do that. Preachers don't do that. I didn't know that they were not supposed to do that. I thought everyone is called to serve. If, if you're called to the ministry, you're going to have to learn how to serve. You're going to have to learn how to wash people's feet. You're going to have to learn how to get down and dirty. You're going to have to learn how to do things you, you don't really want to do. Now, I, I thoroughly, listen, I helped Cheryl raise all of my kids. I, I am not a man who just leaves the raising of the kids to her. I changed their diapers. I fed them, all of our grandkids. As a matter of fact, you really don't want to eat the cooking that down there today because I did a little more than half of that cooking that's down there. So I don't know whether you want to eat it, but I will eat it. <laughs> and I thoroughly enjoyed my kids and raising my kids. I changed their diapers, I fed them bottles, I cried when they cried, I disciplined when they needed to, and I didn't want to discipline them when they needed it. Did all of that. And that's part of serving. Now, I don't like parting, like parting the whiskers on an adult Christian to feed them with a bottle. But I do love serving people. And we have to begin understanding that that's what all of us are called to. Because where it says there that each man took a beam, that means he was responsible for helping build the house. It wasn't just left up to Elijah or Elijah's assistant. Everyone was responsible. Next thing that happened here in this chapter 6 is that they connected with their leader. Connected on several levels. They, one, they said, we don't want to do this by ourselves. We want you to go with us. And I love Elijah because Elijah then submits himself to one of his son's visions. He submits himself to one of their visions. That's a good word there. Preachers, if you're listening, you've got to learn how at times to submit yourself to somebody else's vision that's in your, pool, that's in your pew. You got to connect. Another thing that they did is they connected with their leader when it came time for help. The guy lost his axe head. Probably the handle had dried out. If you get a handle that's dried out, it 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 it, it will uh, fly off of there. Matter of fact, when you put a new handle on an axe head, you stick it down in water so that it does expand and kind of expand against the axe head. The axe handle had gotten dry, most likely. He comes and draws back, and all of a sudden, he whips around, and his handle hits the tree. Can you imagine the vibration that took place when that handle hit the tree? All of a sudden, he's hitting that tree with no cutting edge, but that tree's not coming down. And this is a lot of believers today, is that they keep hitting their tree with a handle because they've lost the cutting edge that they need in their life. I see that, that, that old handle represents the old wineskin. 
It's like saying, I like the way this feels. So I don't want a new wineskin. But he's lost the cutting edge. So he goes and he connects with the man of God, the prophet. And he says, listen, I've lost my axe head. This is where you have to really swallow pride. Because we all have a tendency to like to do everything by ourselves. And sometimes you need to call on the man or woman of God to speak to the stick, to throw it in the water, to make the axe head float. We have a tendency, all of us do, especially if you're from the South. We're a very prideful bunch of people. We don't want help. We don't need help. I can do this by myself. Anybody familiar with that? Probably people up north do the same thing. But there are times when you have got to, and the Lord places you in that position, that in order to change wineskins, you're going to need help. You, listen to this. When you want to grow into a new wineskin, you need to connect with people who are already there. Doesn't mean you don't hang around your peers, but your peers, they're probably in the same wineskin you are. And so they're not going to move into the new one. But you, if you make a way, they may move into the new one. So that means you've got to start hanging around with people who are already where you want to be. It's a good word there. Whenever the Lord spoke to me and, and was, gave me two, uh, a conference, spoke to me verbally in 1999 and said, I'm shifting you to an apostle. And I didn't know what it meant, so I put it on a shelf. And then Cindy Jacobs calls me out of a thousand people, Cheryl and I. And he, she said, I've placed upon you a mantle of apostle, but you've resisted this, and I resist no more. That was a whole new wineskin. I cried, and I whined, and complained. I told the Lord, I don't know how to do this. And I kept telling Cheryl, I don't know how to do this. I told our church congregation, I don't know how to do this. And, and I finally, the Lord, because I kept complaining, he said to me one day, he said, fine, if you don't want to do this, I'm going to find somebody else. I said, no, we're going to renegotiate this. You have to be a forward thinker. You have to serve. You have to connect with a leader. That's when I connected with Dutch. And then you have to do the stuff in the new place. Now, this is important. Listen to me, all you that have been hanging out in the old local church wineskin model. It's time to move to the new place. And begin doing the stuff in the new place. Otherwise, you stay in an old model. Hello. Do the stuff in the new place. Operate in your new wineskin. Don't go back to the old. New wine will flow into new containers. That means a new wineskin. New wine is going to flow there. Start thinking, I'm going to do things differently. I'm going to move into this wineskin. Yes, here's the way you got to start thinking. The Lord has now made me responsible for both coasts of Florida. New wineskin. The Lord, he spoke to me this week while I was doing this, putting this together. He said, I'm going to call some of them there to go to the different coasts and they're going to pray. Some of them are going to go and worship. Some of them are going to be sent there to prophesy. Some of you are going to be called to go to some of these different coastline areas. Some of you are going to go there to pray. Some of you are going to prophesy. Some of you are going to go there and fast and just cry out to the Lord. 
Some of you are going to go into worship and just worship the Lord maybe two or three days over on a coastline. Because, see, he made us, because the word was released here, he made us responsible for that word. And in order to be responsible, I have to move out of the paradigm that my territory only consists of where I live. Maybe your territories might be Brevard County, but it's not any longer. It's now both coastlines. I find it amazing that when Cindy was here in October, 16, uh, October 2nd, 2016, that she prophesied that the Lord would release his glory on the coastline and the coastland. Both of those. And then Chuck comes in and prophesies the same, uh, similar thing when he's here. Now listen to this. Let's continue on. Don't let failure be your focus. You need to see success. Say that again. Don't let failure be your focus. You need to see success. You need to really believe that God wants you to succeed. Let me say that again. You really need to believe that God wants you to succeed. Patty, she's a realtor. Every time she gets a house that she's got to sell, she texts Cheryl and I. She probably texts some of you, and she says, i got to get this sold. And I, and I want you to pray. And so we immediately go into prayer. We pray with her for several things. One of the things that she's doing, she's doing what the guy who lost his cutting edge did. She's calling on the man or woman of God and saying, hey, I need some help. She just had recently had, can I talk freely about this? Okay, I'm going to do it anyway. She had a multi-million dollar listing. One house. And she calls us and she said, pray. And so we started praying. Then it was about to fall through. And she texts us again and says, pray. So we start praying. And then was it last week you closed on this house last week? And I want her to succeed like that every time she gets a listing. Because when she gets a multi-million dollar house sold, it's more money in her pocket. She's going to spread the wealth to like Bernie Sanders. She's going to spread the wealth around and say, hey, I want to give some to Forerunner. I want to give some to Kingdom Gate. She bought brand, two brand new chairs back there in the back that are in the back room back there for the green room. And, and I, I want Alan to succeed. I want every one of you here to be successful and in order to do that we have to stop thinking in terms of failure when you think in failure you're constantly looking in the rearview mirror of life at where you have been and as long as you do that you're never going to succeed you have to look where you're going you have to be forward focused you have to be what the military calls a forward observer Forward observer, in case you don't know, he goes out ahead of the, the, the unit and will blend himself in the terrain, either dressing like the enemy or, or either getting in the sand and burying himself in the sand or in the foliage, whatever it is, looking like the foliage. He puts himself in proximity of danger, and then when he finds out what the enemy's doing, he relays it back to the unit, and the unit can then begin to attack the enemy's strategies because they know what they're doing. You need to call for the man and woman of God to help you. You need to receive prophetic instruction. Now, this is very good here when changing wineskins. Because if you're not willing to receive instructions, 
you're not going to go very far. And if I give you some instruction or Pastor Kendall or, or, or Pastor Pam or Brian or Alicia give you some instruction and you don't follow them, we're not going to be mad at you. But if our instructions are going against your grain, sometimes you may need to think, God is calling me to change wineskins. You're not going to always like what the man of God has to say or woman of God. But if it rubbed you the wrong way, turn the cat around. You ever heard the story of rubbing the cat the wrong way? Turn the cat around. In other words, think differently. Why? And Dutch and I have a great relationship, and I'm, I don't think I've ever done, he's given me instruction several times, given me correction once, instruction several times, and I've always received it. And whatever he told me I need to do, that's what I've always stepped into, and I did that because I believe that he hears from God. And if I, now he and I have such a relationship that if I don't do it, he's still going to be my apostle tomorrow. He's still going to be my friend tomorrow. It's not one of these situations where we stop running with each other. And, but if I get to that place where I don't want to do that instruction, I need to ask myself why. Why don't I want to do it? What's keeping me Holding me back from moving forward. And then another point there is that you. Notice that Eli Elisha didn't take it up. The man who lost it had to take it up for himself. You take it up. Don't ever expect the man in the pulpit to do the ministry that you're called to. They're not called to do that. You need to do your stuff and that sphere that God places you in. Listen to this. I want you to have freedom to change. That is something that is required in moving into a new wineskin. You have to have the freedom to change. I want every one of you here to be free to change in what God wants you to be. In order to move into a religious, uh, move into the new wineskin, you have to defy the religious traditions of men. Sometimes our programs, gifts, talents, ministry, buildings, the old way of doing it becomes an idol to us. Hello? Sometimes this building can become an idol. I know when I, when I left where I was over in Davenport, church I had over there, we brought in a, a daughter in the Lord to be the pastor. Her and her husband had been youth pastors down in Bogota, Colombia. And she married a Colombian. And when we got ready to leave, she called us. She said, we're coming back. And I said, hmm, I know who we're going to put in there. And so as the transition is taking place, I said to the original congregation that I had, I said, don't you ever say to them, this is the way Ken did it. Because if you do, you don't allow them to become who they're called to be. Now, some of them didn't do it. They didn't take my instruction. You know, and that's okay. It got kind of contentious over there. And Cheryl and I had planned to attend there even after we had left. But we couldn't because so much of what had happened there was because of she and I. And it represented us. So we had to back away 
so that the contention wouldn't be there, which was the right thing to do. Listen to this. Sometimes you need to defy these programs, gifts, talents, the building. The, and, and let me say this to you. If what, you're, are, what you are doing is not producing fruit, walk away from it. Leave it. Don't keep doing it. Walk away from it. If you're not seeing new fruit, well, I'm seeing fruit, Kim, but it's about 30 years old. Well, you know what 30-year-old fruit looks like? You're supposed to be seeing new fruit. And if you're not seeing new fruit in your life, you need to walk away from something. That's why I, I believe that God wants you to be prosperous. I think God wants you to make a lot of money. I know some religious folks don't believe that. That's why I defy that religion, that religious spirit that says, I don't, I don't care about money. I don't care about anything like that. I'm, I'm just living for the Lord, and he can just give me a cabin in a corner of glory. Give me a break. That's that old religious spirit. God wants you to be successful. I want everyone, especially you young, upcoming people, don't you settle for anything less than $75,000 a year and above. Because if you do, you're just locked yourself into a poverty mentality. God wants you to succeed. Woo! Yes, the Lord for new wineskin strategies. New wineskin implies new Holy Spirit structures in your life. New wineskin is the means by which the new wine is presented. This is a good word right here. A new wineskin is the means by which the new wine is presented. You know, when, when Cheryl and I got filled with the Holy Ghost, we didn't really have any place to go because we, the assembly of God and the church of God in the region wanted us. But we didn't want them. And the reason we didn't want them was because they were still operating in an old wineskin. Even though the Baptists didn't want us either, we didn't have an affiliation at that time except the body of Christ for a little while until a bunch of us started a church. We were unaffiliated. And, uh, and so... Um, we began moving into this new wineskin while the old wineskin was persecuting us. Never will forget what was popular in the charismatic days was this right here. But it wasn't proper singing in the spirit in the old wineskin Pentecostal church. It wasn't proper. We danced before the Lord, and you know I don't dance. I just do a little shuffle. You know, we danced before the Lord, but that wasn't proper. And I said this, unless the Holy Spirit hit you. And I said, the Bible says that David danced before the Lord with all of his might. a good word new wine implies new holy spirit outpouring new revelation new strategies new innov innovations by the holy spirit uh, like signs wonders healings and deliverance harvest baptize and rebaptize in the holy ghost that's new what that's new wine here's the new wine that he's bringing to us right now coastal awakening on both coasts of florida 
We become a part of the stewardship of this coastal awakening on both these coastlines. It's very important that we get this because the Lord prophesied to us through Chuck that we were to extend our borders. Our borders here have primarily been Brevard County. Some people just a, a, a lot less than that. We just focus on where I'm living and that's it. But he's saying to us, extend our borders, and KGWC is now responsible for each coast of Florida. I said this earlier, he's going to require some of you to travel to certain regions to pray, other regions to worship, and still other areas to prophesy. He's going to do that. And you're just going to have to get up and go, and nobody's going to pay for it except you. Hello. You know, I've been traveling across Florida, and... Alicia was down in West Palm Beach, I guess, yesterday, was it? Today, and she found out how well-known I was in the state. And that's because that for 18 years, and I still do it, I've traveled all over this state doing the work of the Lord, meeting new people, building a relationship with new folks. Maybe Miami, but I can't go any other place in Florida without somebody knowing me. And that's not, I'm, I'm not... Trying to be a famous person, don't want to be a famous person. And, uh, but what I'm saying is, is that we have to extend our borders beyond where we are now. We've got to think forward and think out of the box. Here's responsibility. Chuck said, the Lord actually showed me, showed me that if this doesn't move in Florida, you're going to have a problem seeing the whole East Coast taken. It means we become stewards of that. This also requires us to get out of our traditional, and this is very important for all the body of Christ, requires us to get out of our traditional maintenance church mode. Woo! You know what maintenance church mode is? Come up here, Brian. Let me help me out for a minute. Pick on him. Typical maintenance church mode. How you doing today, man? You need any help? What kind of help you need? I need some money. Money. Okay. I got some. Uh, <clears throat> typical maintenance mode is, man, I hope you're doing okay. If you're not doing okay, just let me know, and I'm going to tell you how you can continue to not do okay. Traditional maintenance mode is doing nothing to grow people. All it's doing is courting everybody, make sure they're paying their tithes, keeping the money coming in, make sure nobody's mad, nobody's mad in the church, there's not in division, nobody's mad at me. Sometimes I look to try to make somebody mad at me. I try to find a way we can make somebody mad. Here's what kingdom does. Just stay right where you are. Kingdom does this. It begins releasing words that says, grow. Grow. Grow in the Lord, Paul told the Ephesians, and the power of his might. You grow in the Lord. You start moving into territory you haven't been in before. Thank you, man. Look how much he grew. You start moving into territory you've never been in before. And this is the thing about it, that where God is taking you and I is that it's unknown to us. 
We've never been there before, so we, we don't understand what it looks like. Listen, let's move on. Get out of the traditional maintenance church mode. Let me, I got to back up and do this again. The maintenance, the church maintenance mode is totally focused on meeting the needs of the people. It is never focused on the kingdom. And it's not that people's needs won't get met, but the Lord taught us not to focus on our needs. He says, seek first the kingdom of God, Matthew 6, 33, and all these things will be added unto you. So he never taught us to focus on needs. But the reason that the ministry has become so need-oriented is that it moves people to come in and say, and the preacher will say, we'll meet your needs if you come here. And everybody wants their needs met. And then you begin creating a dysfunction between the pulpit and the pew because nobody's needs are really getting met because they have the same problem a month down the road. That's typical maintenance church mode. It's not saying that God won't do that. But there's times where we need to have meetings that we don't focus on anybody's need. Sometimes, some of you, and I'm not saying we're going to do this all the time, but sometimes you don't need anybody laying hands on you. Sometimes you need to put your hands up and start receiving yourself. And say, I'm going to take this for myself. Just like the man of God told him, take it up for yourself. Sometimes we need to pray. When I go to a church that I know that every service they've laid hands on them, that first service, I won't do it. I want to give them something different. Dutch goes, I've, I've seen him do this. He and I were doing a conference up in Ohio, not Tim's place, but way up north over there, up there on whatever Lake Erie or whatever that is up there in Ohio. And uh, we were way up there. And it's one of these hyper, not hyper grace, hyper-emotional churches. Everybody's prayed for in every meeting. The preacher's always spitting fire, not, not venom. You know, but it's real, it's real um, hyper. Dutch goes in there, and he goes into this church that's real hyper, and they ask him to come. And he stands there just like this, never moves. He goes into a teaching mode. Because they need a different kind of wineskin than just that hyper wineskin. Then I've seen him go into a place where all of them is just one of them somber places, you know. And I've seen him set the house on fire. Because he's shifting wineskins. Listen to this. We'll, we'll move real quickly here get you out of here. This will be one of my many closings. We're moving into a kingdom mentality. So that you possess this harvest apostolic hub that God has placed you in here. An apostolic hub, its focus is on seeing the kingdom of God manifest in the earth. And when that kingdom manifests, if the Lord wants to meet the needs of the people, that's totally all right. But if he wants us at times to focus on the state of Florida or focus on the nation or focus on the election, we're going to do that too. We're not just going to say, hey, we're here to meet everybody's need, because we're not. We're here to represent the kingdom of God in the earth. When most folks of churches focus on meeting the needs of the people, apostolic hubs focus to see Christ in a region. Example, Space Coast, Florida, and America. 
Cindy Jacobs prophesied to us, and, and notice this, in her prophecy, and in Jane Hammond's prophecy, and in Chuck's prophecy, she never said, you're going to be a church. She never said, you're going to have good church services. She never said that. Here's why she didn't say it. Because this is not the church. This building is not the church. You can't do church. You can't go to church. You are the church. And you can't go to something that you are. Let's go to church today. Let's, why don't we be the church right where we are? There's some Sunday mornings, I'll just get real honest with you. There's some Sunday mornings when I don't want to get out of bed. And, and I say, let's just be the church here today. <laughs> with, with Pastor Pillow and Apostle Sheets. <laughs> I know none of you are ever like that. Don't get religious on me now. And, but here's what she did say. A house of prayer. A miracle center. A training center. An apostolic center. An anchor. A place of raising up young worship leaders. And many new songs being written. Let's look at what Jane Hammond said about us. That we would see signs and wonders. That there would be a healing well dug here. She said we would be a reformation center. And I love this, the word reformation. And you need to pick this word up because it's a word we need to get into our system. Because you can have revival and not have reformation. Let me say that again. You can have revival and not have reformation. Revival gives you the opportunity. Awakening gives you the opportunity for reformation. An apostolic hub. An army of reformers. An army of watchmen. An army of intercessors. An army of prophets, both old and young. Notice that these two prophets didn't say, you're going to be like the church up here that's got... 1,500 people, and they're blowing, and they're going, and you're going to be just like them. She didn't say that. Neither one of them did. Here's what Chuck Pierce said to us. Gain momentum. Don't postpone any longer. He talked about the coastal awakening. And he said, we're called to defang the snake on a statewide level. We're called to gather watchmen prophets and to extend our harvest boundaries. If you notice in all of this, not either one of these prophets said, you just keep being the nice little church that you've been. They never said that. They're forward thinkers and prophetic. And they, God, they see God's destiny and they prophesy that into your life. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all stand up. We're going to pray.